It's Saturday morning. I'm stirring my oatmeal in a small pot on the kitchen stove, and strange things begin to happen. Suddenly, time slows down, just like in films, when they show people dying or going through traumatic events. My hands start moving in slow motion as they stir the heated oats. Then, things start to look blurry. I can hear my partner Nina's voice from a distance, but I can't make out anything she's saying. I hear footsteps behind me. I turn around and see four firemen coming toward me with a big white stretcher. Bill, you grab his legs and we'll get his arms, one of them says, and they lift me up and onto their stretcher. Is this real or am I dreaming? These men are handsome, big, and strong, properly dressed for some movie role with their firefighting outfits and shiny black boots. They look larger than life in our small kitchen. I want to ask them what's going on, but don't have any energy to talk. And now they're carrying me off through our front door, down our garden path, and toward the street. The blurriness returns. Then I see a white ambulance at our front gate, a huge red fire truck, and a white and blue police car. I'm being loaded into the back of the ambulance, and our neighbors are lining the street to see what's happening. There's Scott and Trish and Phil, all looking in my direction. I'm feeling embarrassed and want to hide, so I'm relieved when the ambulance doors shut with a slam. A loud siren comes to life, and we're speeding off God knows where. Nina is following us in her red Mini Cooper. I can see it through the back window. Let me tell you how this all got started. The previous Tuesday, I've just turned 69 and decide to go for my morning walk in Mill Valley, California, where we live. I choose a bicycle path 15 minutes away by car and see an orange sign announcing some construction work on the path. As I walk, I realize that I'm running late, so I pick up my pace. Suddenly, I lose my footing and fall into a deep trench on the side of the walkway. It's some five feet deep and the size of a cemetery plot, maybe three feet across. I lay for a long time in the eerie silence, afraid to move. I smell the moist, dark earth by my nose and feel a sharp pain in my left knee. I'm scared. Have I broken a bone, I wonder? Slowly and cautiously, I climb out of the trench and manage to stand and brush off my clothes. Miraculously, I can still walk, so nothing is broken. What a relief. Returning home, I survey the damage. Torn jeans, a bloody scrape with lost skin on my left leg where I hit the ground, and bruising on my left arm and that side of my face. The pain in my left knee is still there. I try to resume my activities over the next few days, but find it increasingly difficult to function. It's hard to concentrate. It feels like sensory overload to work on my computer, and I even have trouble getting dressed in the morning. It's a challenge to button my shirt. 
A thick gray fog is layered over everything that I want to do. Saturday comes, the firemen carry me off, and then I find myself in a bed at Marin General Hospital. The diagnosis, sepsis, a scary, life-threatening infection that can damage healthy tissues and organs. You were delirious, Nina tells me later, during one of her many visits to my bedside. I couldn't understand anything you were saying. I was really scared and didn't know what to do, so I called 911. And that's how I got here, to room 715 on the top floor of this hospital. As you can see, there are two beds, but fortunately, I'm all by myself next to this very large window. The only color in this entire white room comes through the window from that beautiful tree on the hillside across the way and all those pretty flowers around it. This window view is a gift that contrasts with the sterile hospital environment. But I do need to go now. The nurses will be here any minute to take my blood and check my vital signs, and then a doctor is supposed to come and examine me. Also, they're sending a surgeon to look at my knee. As you can see, they've hooked me up to this intravenous machine. It shoots out penicillin every few minutes to fight the infection. And I'll be needing a type of knee surgery called an arthroscopy to repair some torn joint tissue. The surgeon calls it a roto-rooter for the knee. See how swollen it is? All day long, all I can do is lie on my back and sit up in my bed. I'm not able to stand or walk. I've fallen in love with this tree outside my window. It has everything a tree could want, everything that I could want. A thick, powerful trunk firmly anchored in the ground, roots running deep into the earth, mighty limbs reaching for the sky, lines of wisdom etched into its rich brown bark, playful leaves dancing around in the morning sun to reveal their splendor. This tree has earned its place on that hillside, proud to be all that it is, here to stay for a long, long time, here for me. There's a knock at the door, and that will be Ranjan, my spiritual teacher. I've been looking forward to her visit. She offers wonderful teachings from Buddhism, Sufism, and Hinduism, and I've been working with her for some 20 years. She's Jewish, short, a New Yorker in her early 70s with white hair, and we have much in common. We laugh a lot during our sessions together. She walks into my room and smiles. Hey, Ranjan, it's good to see you. Pull up a chair. I'm hooked up to this IV machine, so the best I can do is to sit up in bed. She nods, sits in the chair at the side of my bed, takes a drink from her silver water bottle, and asks, So how are you handling this crisis? It's been a week since I got here, and I'm doing much better, both physically and emotionally. See that beautiful tree out there across the way? I stare at it all day long. It's all that I want to do from morning to night. I don't ever watch TV or read anything. 
I just look out the window and experience that tree. It feels like pure joy to do that. I notice some new lines etched into Ranjan's face that I haven't seen before. They make her look even wiser. I like her lines. She leans forward. Tell me more about the joy, she says. I feel deeply connected to that tree and those flowers. When I look at that hillside, I feel alive in a way that I haven't ever felt before. I can feel my aliveness as I talk to Ranjan. It flows outward from my heart. She moves her chair closer to my bed. And how did you come to this place of aliveness? I guess it came by way of my illness. The doctors told Nina that we were lucky she brought me here when she did. A few more hours and I would have been gone for good. I shiver as I recall those moments. Thank goodness, Ranjan says. Laying here in this bed, I've reached an amazing place of acceptance for everyone and everything and whatever is going to happen next, even if I die. And I can feel this acceptance with my whole being, my head, my heart, all of me, right into my legs and toes. There's an enormous sense of release and letting go of everything that I've ever held on to my entire life. Years of effort and struggle have all melted away. Now, I just am. I feel free. With a look of intense concentration, Ranjan says, Very nice. She gets up from her chair, walks over to the window, and looks out at the hillside. Ranjan and the tree now appear together, framed by the window a seemingly natural pairing. After a few minutes, she points to the tree. And what role does your tree play in this freedom that you feel? The tree helps me to feel a sense of presence, like I've arrived and truly landed on this earth. I'm totally here. I'm that tree, and that tree is me. I can hear it whispering my name. Sure, it's over there on that hill, but there's no separation between us. We are one, and I feel this connection to all living things. I think I've had some kind of awakening. She nods. Several friends have visited me over these past few days, and they all say the same thing. Mort, I'm so sorry you have to go through this, but it's such a misreading of me. I feel so lucky to be going through this. Looking into Ranjan's dark brown eyes, I see that she really gets what I've been saying. I love that she understands. She looks pleased and after a few minutes tells me that she needs to leave. Her final words? Congratulations. Enjoy your new state of being. And let's have you work on bringing it with you when you return to the world and your former life. That will be an interesting challenge, I say. Her face has a glow, and she turns to leave. The door closes behind her, and a big smile spreads across my face. I'm feeling full, complete. I turn back to the window and look out. My tree is smiling, too. 
I spent 11 days in that hospital, and the doctors never did figure out exactly what caused the sepsis. I went on to a rehab center for another 39 days, and it took 41 days of intravenous penicillin to heal the infection. I had that type of knee surgery to clean things out and had had to learn how to walk again. Thanks to a lot of physical therapy, I was able to move from a wheelchair over to crutches, then to a cane, and finally to normal walking. Through the experience of this illness, I crossed some line and will never be the same. I've come back home to who I really am and know that I will never leave myself again. That wonderful tree will always be there inside me.